Amen. It is good. It is a good time of the year, isn't it? Got a couple Scrooges in the house. That's fine. It's a good time of year and to get to spend with family and friends and, and just so thankful, uh, so thankful that Jesus came. Amen. We'll talk about that a little bit this morning. First, I want to welcome all those watching our online church. It's good to have them with us this morning all over the country. We thank, we thank God that the church is bigger than just a physical location now. Isn't that cool? And uh, I want to welcome Fort Detrick Fire Department, uh, Mountaineer Recovery Center, a whole lot of good people uh, join us every morning and um, every Sunday morning. We're thankful for that. There's a good church in Berkeley Springs. Welcome Berkeley Springs this morning. It's good to be with you. And if you hadn't started shopping yet, you're late. I do want to say, I want to reiterate one thing. We're baptizing people Wednesday night at uh, seven o'clock. Look, we're going to talk about this today uh, when we read the scripture, but there is no greater celebration than when somebody accepts Christ as their savior. And, and we get, we celebrate that multiple times a year here. It's a big deal. And so I remember when we used to baptize people, when I was growing up, baptisms were like this solemn occasion. We're like, Oh, they chose to follow Jesus. I don't know. I think heaven's more excited about it than we are sometimes. And so, um, so if you haven't been here on a Wednesday night, when we do baptisms, you should come seven o'clock. There'll be some refreshments out front and then we'll, uh, we'll have some time of worship together. And then it is a celebration of life. And, uh, and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful that we can be rowdy because people have inherited eternal life. Amen. And so be here Wednesday night, seven o'clock and who knows, may sing a couple Christmas songs or something but I'm excited about it. It is a good time of year to, um, to be saved. And we're going to start a new sermon series this morning called a savior is born. We're going to read from two different parts of portions of scripture, Luke chapter two, which is your traditional, um, birth of Christ story. And then we're also going to read from Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse one. So why don't you stand to your feet one last time. We do this to honor God's word to us. And we're going to read from Luke chapter two, starting in verse eight. Say amen if you're ready. Amen. I think Berkeley Springs said amen. I think I heard them. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord showed around them. And they were filled with great fear. I'm going to stop right there. I think our nativities should be uh, not your traditional nativity. I think we should start getting nativities where the shepherds are like this. I think that's accurate to scripture. It said an angel came down from heaven and the glory of the Lord showed around. You know what that means? It was bright. And these shepherds are out in the middle of a dark field with sheep. And I don't know about you, but if I'm out in the middle of the dark 
and in, in anything really bright comes out, I'm a little nervous. The glory of the Lord showed around and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. We're going to skip to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in his mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. It has a power to change us. Lord, we pray with whatever we walked in here with, Lord, we could set it just over to the side for a moment and let your word penetrate our hearts and change us today. Do that so that when we leave, we're different. Thank you for this opportunity in your presence today. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. It's Christmas time. I, um, there's a little bit of anxiety that naturally comes at this time of year with trying to fight the right, find the right gift for everybody and how much is enough and how much is too much. And is this something they're going to want and like? I think our staff is, um, getting together in a couple weeks to, and we're going to do a, a re-gifting party. We kind of figured out everybody probably has something in their house they don't want, and why not just go ahead and make it okay to give it away? I remember growing up and, um, and not appreciating some things growing up. Because when I was growing up, you know, you got, um, like, I, I would get G.I. Joes, Legos. Somebody say something for Legos like 50 years or something. Who would have thought little blocks that clicked together? G.I. Joe, Legos, remote control cars. I remember the first time we got, anybody remember the tracks that you put the little electric car and you pulled the trigger? And it went, that caused a lot of fights in my family. But I would also get things like socks. And it's not that I didn't need socks, but I didn't really want socks. Can I get an amen? I mean, if you're going to give a kid socks, put something that they actually want in the sock. And let's the sock be the container. 
Don't just give them a pack of white tube socks. I mean, so you get socks. You get something you don't want, but you need. I'm, I'm not old enough to be walking to school barefoot. I mean, everybody had shoes when I was a kid. So socks would necessarily be something you need. Underwear, another necessity that you might not want for Christmas. I used to think as a kid, why couldn't we just, why couldn't we just wake up and find them in our, find them in our drawer? It would have been nice just to wake up and pull the drawer open and, oh, there's more socks. Perfect. Why'd we have to wrap them up and act like they were gifts? Now the irony is, now that I'm older, um, I like socks for Christmas. Um, I think socks for Christmas are actually cool. I got socks with French fries on them, Oreos on them, fish on them. I got striped socks. I got Christmas socks. I got, I got Lucky Charm socks. I've got, and so if I'm at Christmas time, I got Scooby-Doo socks. Yeah. If I'm at Christmas and I open up a, a thing and it's got some nice socks, I'm like, ooh. I'm a little older. I realize the need for good socks. Good socks say something about you. When you sit down and cross your legs and... That guy pays attention to the socks. Everybody's going to be thinking different about socks. It's a good Sunday. If I could convince everybody the socks is where it starts. Match your outfit to the socks, not the other way around. When I was five, I didn't know what I needed. I was pretty confident about what I wanted, but I didn't know what I needed. Sometimes I wonder if I'm not in that same circumstance at 45, where I'm confident about what I want, but I may be not really confident about what I need. Luke, Luke describes Jesus coming to earth. He uses a term, it's very specific. He says, unto you this day, a savior is born. Savior is born. If a savior is born, it it speaks to a need of being saved. That humanity was in a position that required a savior as an answer to their condition. Now, you'll notice that a lot of the things we want in life were not the descriptor that that Luke used as far as Jesus coming to the earth. So we want prosperity. He didn't say your provider is born today. He didn't say that. We want good health. He didn't say your healer is born today. We we want good relationships. He didn't say your reconciler of relationships is born today. All those things are good and all those things are godly and all those things are what we want, but that's not the descriptor that Luke uses to describe Jesus, when the angel came down, it didn't say your healer's coming, your peacemaker's coming, all this stuff. He said your savior is born. It kind of reminds me of being five years old and wanting G.I. Joes and maybe getting some socks. And it's funny how as a parent, you know what your kids need, even if they don't like it. 
I never knew a kid that liked discipline, including myself, but I need it. I mean, I needed it. (laughs) I never knew anybody that liked everything that they needed. You need to go to the doctor. You might not like to. You need to go to the dentist, but you might not like to. You need, there's things that we need that we don't inherently like. And Jesus was born into a culture that, that needed a savior, but they wanted something else. They needed a savior, but they wanted just the trappings that came with the savior. You know, there's some irony in, in this story because at this point in time, Caesar Augustus was in charge of Rome and he had ushered in this political and, and um, cultural peace into Rome or into the Roman empire. So Jesus was actually born into a peaceful season in the world. Matter of fact, it was so peaceful that they called Caesar Augustus the savior. He had given them financial stability, political stability, and, and, and stability from war. He had given them peace. And so his moniker was savior, and they, they, actually, they actually set it up to worship him as savior. Isn't ironic that Caesar was giving people what they wanted, but Luke is pronouncing a savior that people needed. That financial stability, everybody wants that. They had peace without war, everybody wants that. Nobody wants chaos. And yet there was something still missing. There was something still missing. See, God doesn't, God isn't a waster of resources. God is not going to send Jesus to the earth if we didn't need him. God is not going to, God is not going to say, well, I mean, you guys are doing pretty good on your own. Why would I send Jesus down on the cross? No, in the midst of all that good stuff that was happening, people were still lost and dying. Not just an earthly death, but an eternal death. And so God said, to remedy this, I will, I will send my only son, John 3, 16, to the earth, Emmanuel, God with us. It wasn't, it wasn't sort of God. He wasn't maybe a little God. He was God come to earth to take on the penalty of your sin and my sin. And so God sends Jesus, he is born, and Luke records the angel saying, a savior is born to you today. Socks first. Sometimes I get hung up with God with this. There's things I want, and then there's things I need. There's things I want, and then there's things I need. I want God to do this, this, and this. Come on, we all have a list. I want God to bless me financially. I want God to make my relationships work out. And when I say make my relationships work out, I want everybody to agree with me. Let's be specific. (laughs) Nobody wants relationships that you got to work on. They, They make you tired. Can we just be honest? We're in church. It's a good place to start. We, when we say, God, like, I want, I want my relationship to be reconciled. What we're really saying is I want them to think like me and come back and to apologize. 
When's the last time you prayed, Lord, give me an opportunity to apologize and make this right? Don't even lie to me. I know it didn't. I want health, Lord. I want, mm -mm. okay, let's back up on this one. I want to eat whatever I want. I want to not exercise and I want to watch as much Netflix as possible and you make me healthy. And if God was a good God at Christmas time, he would give us all we want. So we have these wants, we have these ingrained desires that we have. And God is over here going, if I could convince you of what you need, if I could break through the wish list, because God is capable of doing all the above. He's capable of healing. He's capable of providing. He's capable of reconciling relationships. He's capable of all those things, but that's not the main reason he came. Paul tells the church in Ephesus and by default us, Paul writes that we are naturally in a state that we're moving away from God. That every human being on the earth naturally is in a state of moving, not towards God, but away from him. So when Jesus came, it wasn't that, it wasn't that God heard the cries of people for a savior. It was that God recognized that left unto ourselves, humanity was moving farther away from God, not closer. And so he had to remedy it himself, not wait on human beings to wake up. So it would be like, be like one of your kids trying to drive a car off a cliff. You're not going to wait until, well, maybe they'll wake up. You're going to jump in and try to do something. So God, seeing the nature of humankind pushing away, pushing away, pushing away, says, I have to be the remedy of this. So I'm going to send Jesus while we are sinners, Christ dies for us. Here's how, he's, here's how Paul wrote it to the Ephesians. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So he's saying, he's writing to the church. He's saying, this is the way the world works. It's the natural inclination of man. I know we like to think people are good and wholesome and basically good, but Paul is writing, our, our gut instinct is to move away from God, not closer to him. Because, can we just be transparent a little bit? If humans' gut instinct was to move close to God, we would need a lot less laws. We would need a lot less enforcement. We would, we would just be like, hey, everybody's getting better. Wow. But if you've lived any length of time, you know society is not getting better. It's not moving just naturally closer to the things of God. We are naturally moving farther, farther, and farther away from the things of God to where we have to debate whether, whether, whether babies should be able to live in the womb. That's a debate. That was my hot button for the day. The whole country can be in turmoil over a court that's going to make a decision. And we go to God and we say, this is what we want. And we bristle at the fact that he says, I know what you need. 
Paul says, listen, the natural inclination of humans is to move away from God. And God knew that among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Did you, did you hear that? Among whom we are all once lived in the passion of our flesh. We did what we wanted carrying out the desires of our body and the mind. We're just, we're, this is what I want and I'm going to do it now. But then Paul comes to verse four in Ephesians chapter two. And God pumps the brakes on the whole thing. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. He's saying it wasn't because you woke up one day and realized that you needed a savior. No, before you realized you needed a savior, Jesus had already done it. God did not send Jesus to the earth because there were shepherds out of the field going, we're sinners doomed for hell. No, he sent Jesus because they weren't saying that. They don't even know what they need, but I know what they need. So I'm going to send Jesus. I'm going to send Jesus because humanity needs a savior. Yes. Do they need healed? Yes. Do they need delivered? Yes. Do they need, do they need, do they need provided for? Yes. All those things come along with it. But first and foremost, we got to deal with the sin thing. And you're like, man, I just came to Christmas. It's Christmas time. I just wanted to hear a good uplifting message. I just wanted to hear about toys and how God was going to bring peace into my chaotic family and, and how the turkey was going to be good this year, finally, for the first time, because Aunt Susie's not baking it. I just want to hear something uplifting. The most uplifting thing you could hear this morning is there's a remedy for the sin in your life. You're not lost. You don't have to be lost. You don't have to be lost. So here's what I found out. Have you ever wanted something really, really bad? Uh, let me explain it to you like this. I... um. Uh, I've told you this before. I like tools. I like anything to do with tools and building things and all, and all that stuff, all that. Um, I've found myself over the years and, um, ladies, if you could just hold your fingers over your ears, this would be helpful during this segment. I just like to talk to the, uh, I feel like I could get some people in trouble once they find out. There have been seasons in my life where I've, where I have researched and, justified and made a case for things that I need, things that I need, like maybe a specific tool or a truck or a thing, you know, we're not going to talk about that. And I, I'm, I'm a really good case maker. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a really good reasoner. And so I'll do the research and I'll find out, man, this is the, this is the best tool for this thing. And it is, um, this is what I need and I can justify the price and I can justify the whole thing. And then I'll start making the case. Come on guys, help me out. You know how you do it? You just say, Hey, you know, it'd be a lot easier if I had one of them, you know, we get this done a lot sooner. I'd take you out to dinner even. 
And you just make the case, make the case, make the case, make the case, make the case. So I've been, uh, uh, just a little, little transparency, I've been watching um, that, I've been watching a show on TV about forging knives and stuff like that. And, and I told my wife the other day, I said, man, I'm going to get a forge for Christmas. Now, listen, I told you I could make a case for things. I said, hey, watch this. If I got a forge this year for Christmas with all the tools, which is only like 10 grand or I don't know. Um, <laughs> What we could do, I don't think it's quite that expensive, but maybe. Um, what you could do is I said, I could then make knives for Christmas gifts next year. That's where some of you are messing up. You're not tying it to saving money in the future. So I said, I could make knives and we could give them away next year. To which we've been married 25 years and my wife went. She didn't say anything, which I didn't say anything, but I did get that look that I've seen before. So what happens is this. Historically, this has happened to me. I will get the thing that I want in the moment, and I will have set my mind on it because I've done all the research I've done. This will make my life better, easier, more effective, more efficient, the whole nine yards. I will get the thing. I'll unwrap it. I'll put it together, and I'll not use it. It'll sit in the garage and I'll probably buy another one because I forgot I had it. There's no men coming to this church next week. They're like, dude, he just told everybody. Can I ask you this morning how many of you have begged God for things in your life? God, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. You've got to do it only to find out it's not what you needed. Only to find out no matter how much external peace comes to you, it never fixes the internal chaos. Because at some point in time, if we're apart from God, it doesn't matter that Caesar has brought peace to the Roman Empire. At some point in time, if our bodies are sick and we're made whole, but not whole inside, it doesn't matter. At some point in time, if we're provided all the money we could ever spend, and yet we are rotting away on the inside in our spirit, you wake up one morning and find out it didn't fix it. And it's chucked in the garage with another accomplishment that didn't bring peace into your life. And yet... We seem to repeat the cycle over and over and over with the next thing that pops up on Facebook. And we go, yes, it's this brand of essential oil. (laughs) Now I think I've made the full circle. This is what will fix it. This is what will make me whole. This is what will change it. This is what will make everybody like me. This is what will make me not have anxiety before I go to bed. This is what will make me not hate myself. This is what will make me make it to the next. No. If that was true, the angel would have come down and said, here's your psychologist. Here's your prescription. Here's your, here's your money. Here. No, he said, here's your savior. And God knew at the root of everything that was going to make us whole was having our sins forgiven. Because listen, once he's forgiven you, 
The Bible tells us that there's no more condemnation in your life. Oh, man. Boy, if we could wake up in the morning and not be condemned. If I could just start there. Seems like my day would go smoother if I was free in here. Seems like my relationships might work a little better if I wasn't trying to cover up me. It seems like everything would click a little better even if I'm sick on the outside. Like we talked about last week, this thing is wasting away. Even if I'm sick, if I'm whole on the inside, I can deal with it. So when the angel comes, he doesn't say, hey, get ready. Your provider is coming. Get ready, your healer is coming. No. He said, I know that's what you want. I know you want peace. I know you want prosperity. I know you want all this. But get ready, your Savior has come. Your Savior has come. And what I've found out in my life after I've tried the thing that I was convinced that would get me to a better place. Once I've tried the thing, I, I was totally convinced that it was going to make me feel better, make me, make me operate better. It always came back to how I was relating to God. And the Bible tells us that there's only one way to make that relationship happen. The Bible says that no one comes to the Father but through Jesus. So Paul says, while our natural inclinations were to move as far away from him as we could possibly go, in the middle of that, right when we didn't need, didn't think we need him, didn't even want him, all those things, Jesus came. Is Emmanuel, God with us. And salvation touched down on the earth in a little manger. It's funny that humanity had the same response to him then as we do now. As long as he was healing people, everybody was fine with him. Hmm. As long as leprosy was being evacuated from bodies, as long as he was casting demons out of people, as long as he was just doing what the people wanted, everybody was fine. They would follow him. They'd cheer in his wake. They'd wave palm branches. They would make a fuss about him showing up in town. But as soon as he started talking about savior stuff, <laughs> as soon as he started talking about, I am the Messiah, I am the one who has come to save. No, we don't need that. We don't need that. And humanity's been making the same mistake ever since. A savior came. Now we're gonna talk in the next few weeks. Does healing come with it? Oh, absolutely. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in these bodies. Does provision come for it? Absolutely. God knows what you need before you even ask of it. Good relationships come from it? Yeah, absolutely, all those things. All those things come along with it. But here's what I know. Even if they didn't, he still saves us. Even if the healing's not planning out like you thought it should, he's still your savior. Even if he has done something that you and I cannot do in and of ourselves. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. So he's... So he's doing something. It, 
Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says, it's not anything you've done. It's nothing that we did. It's just God loving us so much that Jesus came. Loving us so much that Jesus came. He said, it's not of works. No one can boast about this. No one can say, man, I've been so good. Jesus had to save me. So I know we like, I know during Christmas time, we like to do the little baby Jesus thing. The baby Jesus is so innocent, non-threatening. Isn't he? Man, the little baby Jesus in the manger with the, the donkeys around him and the wise men and the shepherds. It's just so peaceful and calm. And the little baby Jesus. The truth of the matter is God sent the baby Jesus to eradicate sin from our lives. Not be comfortable with sin, but to eradicate it from our lives. Christmas should be a time where we take a self-assessment and go, hey, wait a second. God changed the course of history. God himself came to earth because I needed him to save me. Not for the trees, not for the garland, not for the presents, not for the turkey. God came to earth because I needed him to save me. Boy, that changes Christmas, doesn't it? That makes socks okay. God, you know what? I realized this whole year I've been wanting something that I didn't need. And what I needed was in front of me the whole time. I realized that I wanted this and I wanted this and I wanted this and I wanted this and actually all those things that I wanted end up being a result of you making me whole inside. So the whole time the Savior is in front of us and we're asking for something else. You ever played hide and go seek? I don't play it anymore because I don't like to run. But you know, when you're a kid, you used to play hide and go seek. And um, what was the thing the person would count? Like if you were smart, you put your younger sibling in the corner and say, count to 7,000. We'll see you next week. No, but you used to count to what, 30 or something like that? 30? Count to 30. And then they would shout out what? What was the first? Ready or not? Here I come. I think that's what God said to us. And I'm thankful he didn't wait till I was ready. Because there's so much in my life that God has done before I was ready for it. Before I even knew I needed it, he had already made a way where there seemed to be none. Before I even knew I was worthy of it, he did it. And that morning. God said, ready or not, here I come. And a young girl pushed out a baby and God touched down a savior for you and me. So that same message he's saying today, ready or not, here I come, ready or not, here I come, ready or not, here I come. I'm going to leave you this band's going to come up. We've had this message for 2,000 years. It's not new. It's not new. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, man, when you're a preacher, it's, you get the same Christmas every year. It's not new. 
For 2,000 years we've been doing this. No, Jesus has come to the earth. It's not a new message. The Savior has come. Were you ready for it last year? Are you ready for it this year? It's not about what your house looks like or if you've gotten all the presents. Are you ready for it? Some of you may be sitting here this morning saying, Chris, that's the first time I've ever heard that I needed saved. It's not a if I want to be saved or if I feel like being saved. Jesus didn't come because we felt like being saved. He came because we needed it. Because Paul would later say, you can't do it on your own. You can't save yourself. Are you ready? Are you ready to acknowledge that without him, there's no hope? Are you ready to acknowledge that without him, you can't fix that sin thing, that natural inclination? So I don't know if I'm ready. Maybe some of you in here aren't ready because of what other people who proclaim to know him have done. Maybe you're in here this morning and you say, you know what? I asked him for some things I wanted and I didn't get it. So I don't know. I want to encourage you this morning. He is here to save you. To save you. You can make that decision today. You can make that decision today. I know your life might not be perfect. And guess what? Cheer up. It probably will never be. There's always going to be some tension in this life between the perfect life to come and what we got to deal with right here. That's just the way it works. But you can have peace in the core of your being that no matter what chaos is happening around you, that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that on that day, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came as your Savior and what he saved you from, he has still saved you from. And that no one can take that away. No circumstance can affect that. No, nothing can affect the fact that he has saved you. So ready or not, he came. So my question to you today is, are you ready to accept that? Are you ready? Because because it can get messy. You got to say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. There's all this stuff that's not right in me. There's all this stuff I need forgiveness for. All this stuff I need you to fix. I need you today to do this in my life. It's a humbling experience, but it's the most peaceful thing you will ever do. Today, a Savior is born.